Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. tonight invite your attention to 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 2nd Chronicles chapter 20 I want to begin reading with verse 5 and Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said O Lord God of our fathers art not thou God in heaven Rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen. In other words, you're not just in control of one domain. You're not just king of one area, one people, and in control of just one people. You're in control of everything. And in thy hand is there not power and might so that none, again, not just in exceptional areas, but in all areas, that none is able to withstand thee. Art thou, art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwell therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab, and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them for we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. I want to continue with a subject that I preached a little bit on Sunday evening, I want to use a different text and perhaps come at it at a little bit different angle, but use the same heading and talk about it happens after we pray. It happens after we pray. You can call this part two or whatever that you choose to call it, but it happens after we pray. Would you lift up your hands and your voices with me right now and let's pray that the Lord of heaven would anoint us in the remainder of this service. Jesus, we truly need you. We need your blessing upon 
our time together tonight. I pray that you would help us, God. Your word would speak to us. We could implement your word into our hearts this evening. I pray, God, that our hearts would be receptive to receive the word of God. We pray it in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, for the opportunity to stand here in your presence. We love you so much. Amen and amen. Would you clap your hands to him again? It happens after we pray. You may be seated. You know, it's astounding to me how oftentimes we exhaust every other, every other avenue. We exhaust every other method to try to uh, come to a solution for our problems. But using this most powerful method that God has given us, and I believe a weapon that God has given us, and that is prayer. How many understands that prayer is a very powerful thing? And I know that we've talked about it recently, but I don't think that we could talk about prayer too much. The Apostle Paul explains to us that prayer ought to be a priority, not a last resort. He said to Timothy, his protege in the gospel in 1 Timothy 2 and 1, I exhort thee therefore that first of all supplication, prayer, and intercession be made for all men. So when you start, you, you, you have a problem, you have a situation, you have a challenge that arises, then, then first of all, you need to pray about it. First of all, you need to talk to the Lord about it. So many times we make that a last resort or a last-ditch effort. And that's when we pray. It's when the situation gets too big and we can't handle it anymore. Well, I want to tell you, our day-to-day -day lives, if we don't allow them to be led by the Spirit of God, which we receive that direction through being sensitive in prayer and having communion with God. And, and as I've said often, prayer is not just a one-way conversation that we do the speaking and we just talk to God and give Him uh, a monologue. But prayer should be a dialogue where we receive from Him also and we allow Him to speak to us. That's why the Bible talks about meditation also, and it talks about spending time just in the presence of the Lord, absorbing what He would want to say to us. And no, that's not always. As a matter of fact, it's, it's on rare occasions that this happens, uh, that the Lord would speak to a man in an audible voice, but when you get to know Him, you get to know the impressions of the Lord. You can feel what He approves of and what He disapproves of. You know what pleases him and what displeases him. And uh, you can receive that knowledge only through spending time in the presence of God. Is there anyone here that has been discouraged and when you pray, you just felt better? Amen? Have you ever been broke and didn't know how that you were going to make ends meet, but you prayed and God opened the door of provision? Have you ever been assailed by an enemy but prayed and God prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies? Have you ever been in a spiritually dark place and it looked like morning would never come but you prayed and God came to the rescue? 
I want to tell you that if you've experienced any of these things, then you understand that prayer really does work, that we're not just up here talking about something that we can make as a suggestion, but we've experienced it for ourselves, and we know that prayer is effective. We know that prayer is powerful. We know that God hears, God responds, and God has given answers to us because we prayed and because we sought Him. Then why is it, you ask, that, that preachers have to continue to preach about prayer? Well, it's because this flesh, uh, the conditions of this world, uh, not to mention the enemy that we possess and that we face, uh, doesn't make prayer conducive. Doesn't make prayer uh, easy for us. I want to simply state that prayer is not magic. Prayer is not a trick. Prayer is not a four-leaf clover. Prayer is not a rabbit's foot. Prayer is not just happenstance or luck. But prayer is an opportunity to talk with the God of the universe who listens and I believe is willing. You need to get that understanding. We know we often say he can, but we need to understand that he is willing to answer our prayers. He is willing to work for us. Amen. I need someone that has had a prayer answered to help me testify tonight that if you will give time to prayer that he will strengthen you when you need it that he will pick you up when you find yourself in a low place that he will be there in your most difficult times amen that he will help you and give you what you need to sustain you through the situations that we encounter in life and yes I want to encourage you tonight you can make it if you'll pray and if you'll learn how to talk to God, there's no situations. God, God did not place us in this thing and not give us what we need to succeed at it. And one of those things that he gave us is prayer and being able to talk to him about the needs of our life. But if we're not extremely cautious, we will substitute prayer with other things. And it happens so inadvertently sometimes. We can replace prayer, and I'm not talking about just people that don't know God. I'm not talking about uh, people that are just new converts and just coming around to learning how to pray and talk to God. Even us that have been around the church need to be warned of this at times. We can replace prayer with worry. Amen? When the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 6 and verse 34 says, Take no thought for the morrow. And he explains to us that the morrow is going to take care of itself. In other words, the one that set everything in motion, he knows what's going to happen tomorrow, and he's going to be there in that tomorrow to take care of that. But right now, we need to trust in him and put our faith in him. And if we're not careful, we can begin to worry about situations. But I ask you, what has worry ever accomplished? What is worry? Do you, can you point to any one instance in your life where worry ever helped in a situation? I can tell you that worry sometimes weakens our faith. Worry sometimes badgers us and causes us to even succumb to doubts in our life. And if we allow worry 
to go far enough and we allow that to linger around. It won't be long until we'll begin to substitute prayer with questioning. That's another thing we we so often substitute prayer with is is questioning. I wonder if if this uh, took place or that took place or I wonder if this is what the will of God is or this is the purpose for that. And we get to questioning things. When Proverbs chapter number 3 explains to us that we're to trust the Lord with all of our hearts and lean not into our own understanding. But in all of our ways, everybody say all of our ways, all of our ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path. You can't get that by questioning. You can't get that by always uh, uh, having second doubts about a situation. At some point, you've got to trust God. You've got to trust Him at His Word. You've got to lean into it and say, that's what I'm going to put my confidence in. That's what I'm going to walk in. I may not have a lot to go on, but i got a word from God. i got direction from the Lord. I've got help from Him, and He's going to be with me. No reason to question when you receive a word from God and you're confident in that, you, you, need, to, you need to sure that up with your, with your faith and trusting God with your actions. And you know the best way to do that, the best way that shows that you trust God is when you're going through a difficult situation and yet you still praise Him and you still worship Him. You still come to the house of God and No matter exactly what is going on, you still have the trust to lift up your hands and say, God, you're in control. God, I believe that you're going to see me through. God, I understand that you are able to do what needs to be done, that you're going to take care of me. You're not going to forsake me at this particular time in my life. You didn't lead me into this situation to drop me off here. But God, if you led me into this, you're going to see me through this. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you. Hallelujah. And we show it when we worship Him. We show that we trust God when we go to the prayer room and we pray about things. Instead of just mauling things over and thinking, I'm not saying that we shouldn't use wisdom. and I'm not saying that earthly wisdom doesn't have its place and past experience doesn't have its place and it doesn't play into some of our choices and our decision. But you know what I am talking about. There are times when we're confronted. There's times when we stand at an intersection in life and we're confronted with choices. And we, we need to earnestly pray about those decisions and those choices because as I have stated before, those choices and the places that those choices lead us to are going to greatly impact our lives in in the future so we need to be careful we cannot be careless and we cannot just be uh, uh, lackadaisical when it comes to making choices in our lives because every choice leads to something in somewhere amen people don't don't get to a certain place in life by just making one one decision or one choice that was that was a big choice or a big decision or a big deal and they knew that it was when they made it and so that's what led to that situation. No, normally 
uh, it's through a series of small incremental choices that we end up where we are in life. Amen. How we respond, how we, how we make decisions and how we base our decisions and, and what influences those decisions. Does the Word of God influence our decisions? Does, does the Spirit of God have, uh, are we yielded to it and sensitive enough to it so that it can speak to us and direct us and impress upon us what the will of God is? I'm amazed of how flippantly people can make choices that are going to have great impact and import in their life at later times. And they, they don't realize, I expect that from, from, from sometimes young people and children, but I don't expect that necessarily from adults and people that have walked with God for a long time. But God help us to realize, help us to be aware and sensitive to the fact that every choice and every decision is leading us somewhere. And, uh, you know, one man said it this way. We make our choices, but we are made by our choices. And I tend to agree with that statement. So sometimes we question, uh, and that replaces our prayer. And we try to use that. And then that lends itself to another substitute, and that is human reasoning. You know, we, we get... We get to thinking in our human reasoning, reasoning things out and thinking that that is the most logical way to handle this. But I'm going to tell you there's certain things that God asks us to do as saints of God that is simply not logical from a human standpoint. And I can see examples of it over and over and over again in the Word of God. That's why this is a walk of faith and not a walk of sight. Hello? Amen. That's why we call it a walk of faith. And the just, the Bible says, shall live by what? Faith. Amen. So we understand that it's not always logical. It wasn't logical as far as from a human standpoint. If they was to use human reasoning or past experience or anything that they knew of historically, Noah would have never built a boat and he would have never seen his family saved when the flood, the judgment of the flood came. That seemed in human reasoning to be something that was not very logical. But he had the faith to go ahead and do it. It didn't seem logical that when Jesus whirled around and said to his disciples to feed the 5,000, and they said all that we have is a lad's lunch of five loaves and two fish, and he said bring it to me, and, and he broke it and blessed it, and then he said serve it. It didn't seem logical that that, that could ever feed 5,000 people by what they gave. But nevertheless, when they submitted it in faith and trusted God, God was able to work a miracle that we're still talking about 2,000 years later. Can I preach to you tonight? Can I tell you in the Holy Ghost what God instructs of you to do? It may seem like you're stepping out on nothing. It may seem like uh, that there would be reason to fear. There would be reason to doubt that anything good could come out of it. But I'm telling you, if you'll trust God, God will always bring a divine result. Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap him, clap to him and give him praise. None of these are, are true substitutes because worry, questioning human reason will never fix things for you. And prayer may not 
entirely change the situation itself. But prayer sometimes is to strengthen us in the midst of the situation so that we'll be able to see it through, so that we'll be able to come through whatever it is that we're dealing with and whatever it is that we're facing and whatever it is that is challenging us or whatever the resistance is, we're able to come through it. That's, that's what prayer does many times. God does not always. Prayer is able to move the mountain. But sometimes God doesn't move the mountain. Sometimes he gives us the ability to climb the mountain. God didn't, God didn't extinguish the fire of the fiery furnace for the three Hebrew boys that were thrown into it. He simply made them, he made them where they were not flammable. He made them where they would not burn. God did not take away the giant from the valley of Elah for David. He he didn't just make him fall over when he stepped out into that valley, but he used his little bit of know-how and his little bit of strength and he anointed him and his skill, and when he was obedient to God, the Scripture says that God guided that stone to hit the forehead of that giant, and that giant came down, and he was able to cut his head off and have victory for Israel. God doesn't always take away the obstacles. God doesn't always take away the resistance. He didn't take away the lions from the lion den, but he did take away their appetite when the man of God was thrown into the lion's den. What am I trying to tell you tonight? I'm telling you, if you'll pray, God will sustain you. God will keep you. God will be there with you when you need you. And whatever it is you're facing, if you'll pray, God will bring you out as a survivor, victorious over that situation. I like David's testimony in Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemy and my foes, came upon me to eat of my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret place of the tabernacle he shall hide me he shall set me upon a rock and now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifice of joy. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord. I'm going to magnify the Lord. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Why don't you clap your hands, lift up your voice and praise to Him. Oh, yeah. Uh, Let's examine this text for just a little bit here tonight. King Jehoshaphat is in a mess.
put it mildly. Because his kingdom is about to be assaulted by the Ammonites and the Moabites. These are two tribes that they had been merciful to. According to our text, the Lord was merciful through Israel to them. And they were not allowed, I mean, of all the enemies around about, when they went in to possess the promised land, they were able to slay them. And they spare these two, the Ammonites and the Moabites. And for their kind deed, for their mercy, for the graciousness that they showed, this is what they received, that they would mount up an army and make plans to assault the people of God that had been merciful to them. You know, that, that, is, that is something that in life you've got to get used to, is that, that folks that you spend the most investing in sometimes, you've got to get used to the idea that not everybody's going to give back as much as you're willing to give but that should not keep you from willing, being willing to invest in the kingdom of God. All the more reason why that you should make up your mind that whatever you do, you do unto the Lord. Because you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you do all that you do unto men. And if that's your only motivation, then you can, you're setting yourself up for bitterness and setting yourself for, up for being offended and hurt feelings. But if you do what you do unto the Lord, then you know that God is going to, to give you blessings and God is going to give back to you. Whatever you put into the kingdom of God, you know it's going to come back to you. Shaken down, pressed together, and running over, the Bible says. So you don't make any investment in the kingdom of God that God does not take note of it and God does not give back to you. So don't worry about all of that. And God did so for these people. King Jehoshaphat, he calls a solemn, a solemn assembly and, and uh, a prayer meeting, and, and he, he asks for a period of fasting. Yet there's no evidence here, or I can't see it, where they had a long period of time. I mean, an attack is being mounted against them. They don't have a long time to say, you know, if you'll give us 30 days to pray about this, you know, uh, I, I want to help you with something here. Sometimes we think, well, if I could have, you know, uh, uh, two or three months here to pray about this and think this over and mull this over, I, I could maybe get the right answer. But there's some situations that come up in life that you don't have that long. There's some emergencies that arise that you, you don't have the luxury of saying, give me 30 days to pray about it. Matter of fact, you need an answer right now. And I'm going to tell you, the length of the prayer is not necessarily the power of the prayer. Because God can answer and is, is able to work in prayers that are sometimes very brief, but they're very powerful. And so I'm going to show you right here what makes them powerful is, is that there has been consistent prayer going on. And when the time comes and the emergency arises, uh, you can go to the bank account and make a withdrawal and know that there's funds to cover it because you've been putting something in all along. 
And if you've been praying and you got the practice of prayer and you've been making deposits uh, on a daily basis, then when the emergency arises and the baby gets sick and, and the trouble comes and the finances crash and all of those kind of things happen and sometimes they catch us off guard, they're unexpected. But when it happens, uh, you've already got the investment made. You've already made the deposit at the bank. You can write the check and know God is going to come through. You can know that there is sufficient funds to cover it. Amen. When I've been putting the time in in prayer, I don't have to be bashful. I've got confidence when I come to the throne. I know that God is true to his word. That sure beats having to repent for 30, 45 minutes before you can even make your petition known. That sure beats happened to come to an altar and said, Oh, God, I know I hadn't been doing what I was supposed to be doing. And, God, if you'll overlook it, I promise you, uh, when you give me a chance, to, I'll, I'll, I'll fix it. And we've all had those times. I understand that. But what I'm trying to say, that if you've been doing what you know to do and faithfully living for God and prayer has been a practice in your life and something that you're familiar with, when the emergency arises, uh, you don't have to scramble. You can just lift your head in confidence and say, God, you're in control anyway. And I know that you're going to come through. And I know that you're going to work in this situation. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give some praise to him right now. And I want you to notice as I read through this, I I found that there were some things that I brought up on Sunday night that Jehoshaphat did. First of all, He prayed God's word or what God had spoken and promised to them previously. I I want to tell you, sometimes you need to get down on your knees and just pray the word of God. I used to hear people talk about this and I didn't know exactly, I didn't have a handle on exactly what they were talking about, praying the word of God. But it's a very powerful thing. That's why you got to know the word of God first. You got to get it in your heart. And then when you get in a prayer meeting, God prompts it to you, and you're able to pray it. How many has ever been there when you prayed the word? You said in your word, God. God, you said, if I walk uprightly, that no good thing would be withheld from me. I didn't say it, God, but you said it, that if I... Be not weary in well-doing. In due season I will reap if I fail. I didn't say that. You said that, God. No man said that, but you said that. You said in your word that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear evil, for you're with me. And thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Oh! You'll prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. I didn't say that, God. It says it in your word. So while I'm walking through this valley, I know you're going to be with me. You're going to give me the comfort that I need, the direction that I need, the correction that I need. Whatever it is that I have need of, you're going to be there to supply that. Hallelujah. Let's give a little praise unto the Lord right now. Oh, let's thank him. There are two things that come out of verse 12 here. He goes on reminding God of what he had said and 
the history of what had taken place. He tells him, it was you that told us not to knock those people off way back there when we had our chance. You was merciful to them. You told us that we were not permitted to take them out. And now look at what they've done. They've raised up against us to assault us and attack us. So he's reminding God of these things. But there's two things that comes out of verse 12 that I want to emphasize. He says, we have no might against this great company. Neither know we what to do. God... This situation is too great for us. It's bigger than we are. It's a bigger deal than what I can handle. And I acknowledge that. And if anything happens for good, it's going to be you. We need a miracle. This is a bigger thing than what we're able to handle. And I want to tell you, as long as we think we can handle it, God will let us try. As long as we think we can take care of it, God will let us try. You know, the reason why some people never get the prayer answered is because they're trying to help God out half of the time. Because they're still, they're still leaning on their own understanding. They're still trying to work it out on their own instead of really letting God do what he wants to do. They, they release a part of it, but not all of it. The Bible said, cast your cares upon him, for he careth for you. can't cast and hang on at the same time. We got some fishermen here. Casting's a part of fishing. And anybody knows that you, you, can't, you can swing that, that rod with the bait at the end of it all you want to, but if you don't push the release button, it's not going anywhere. I was fishing with a gentleman one time and uh, reared back. He had some high-priced, newfangled equipment, and I reared back, and I caught the windshield on the boat. I was going to get one of those real long casts, you know. I was going to get out there where they were at. And I reared back with all my might and caught that, but I didn't stop. just kept going. Well, if you've ever had a bait caster real you know what I'm talking about man you talk about a bird's nest and he was over there and had his glasses down on his nose like this and he was working that bird's nest out of that thing after we came home that night but I'll never forget what he said when I cast that thing and caught that windshield co-wap he said if you do that again I'd be twice so I guess that's the way to take life so anyhow you got to release things. You can't hold on to things and expect to get any kind of result. you got to release it to God. you got to put it in God's hand. Some of us try to put stipulations on it when we put it in God's hand. This is the way I want you to do it, God. No, that's not, that's not praying in faith. That's not praying trusting God. That's, that's, trying to, that's trying to be God yourself. This is the way it needs to work. God knows what's best for you. Do you trust him? God knows what you need. Do you trust him? God knows uh, what the future is and what's going to be the best scenario for the situation. Do you trust him? He said, this is bigger than us. you got to get to that point. This is bigger than I am. 
And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be a dire situation, or it should not have to be a dire situation to get us to that point. We should be willing to yield and surrender and open our hearts and release ourselves to trust God even in the small things. So when the big things arise, we've already got the practice of giving it to Him. And then He says in the continuation of verse 12, and I like this, but our eyes are upon Thee. Our eyes are upon thee. You know, whichever way you're looking, that's what you're most focused on, obviously. Whatever your eyes are trained on, that's what has your attention. You ever try to talk to somebody and they're looking over your shoulder, they're looking over here, they're looking over there. They're they not listening to what you... If they're not, If they're not looking at you, you don't think they're listening to you. And so, he said, you're... We've got our eyes trained on you. Our eyes are upon you, God. When God has our full attention, that's when our prayers are going to be effective. And if you are divided in your attention and and distracted and and not not really focused, it's hard to get an answer from God. But it's an easy thing to get an answer from God if your eyes are focused upon Him. He has your attention. He has, without distract, God, I've shut other things out. And my eyes and my attention is upon you. One thing we need to realize and remember when we pray is, first of all, God is able. I don't question His power. And for the majority of us, I don't think any of us really have a problem in that area that God is able. We believe He's able to heal. We believe that He's able to save. We believe that He's able to deliver. He's able to provide. But God wants us to ask. He wants us to ask. He's able, but He wants us to ask. I remember when I was a little boy, and I'm just about to, ready to finish. When I was just a little boy, I remember going to my dad and asking him, saying, will you give me some money to go out with the rest of the young people after church tonight? remember doing this on several occasions. And if, if he said to me, son, I, I just don't have the money right now, then I didn't ask him anymore. Because he wasn't able. But when I asked him, if he looked at me and said, do you think money grows on trees? Or is my last name Rockefeller? I knew (laughs) he had it. I just need to ask him again. And I was like that little lady in Luke chapter 11 with that spirit of importunity that came on her, she knew that 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 he had the that unjust judge had the power 
to do what she wanted him to do if she could just stand there and be persistent enough. I'm going to tell you, God, he wants us. He's able. He's able to take care of the need. He's able to take care of the situation. He's able to turn the thing around for you. What he's wanting you to do is ask him. Ask him for it. And let me just go on a little further and say that we need to be specific about the things that we ask him for. Generalized prayers get generalized results. Specific prayers get specific results. God, I want you to do thus and so. In real broad strokes, we paint it out. I want to tell you, we need to be more specific and detailed with our prayers. And we begin to see greater results from the prayer time that we put in. If you'll make up your mind, God, I know that you're able to do this. I want you to help me. This is what I want to pray. I hope that I am praying and being sensitive to do what the Word of God says. Because I know the only way I can get a result is to pray. Pray right. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means that there's some non-effective ways to pray. You can't pray generalized prayers. You can't pray nondescript prayers. You can't pray a man in, a, in an attitude of doubt and expect anything good to come out of it. But if you pray effective prayers, that means you mix some faith with your prayers and know that he is able to do exactly what I'm praying about. God, I want you to provide. I want you, God, to work. I want you to meet this need. Our God is able. Anybody believe He's able? Why don't you stand to your feet right now and clap your hands to the Lord. Come on, let's give some praise unto the Lord right now. You know, that's one of the only times in Scripture that we find the disciples saying, teach us, is when they're asking for him to teach them to pray. It's one of the only times. And if these people that walked with him and knew him If they asked him, I think we ought to take it upon ourselves to say, God, help me to be a more effective prayer warrior. Help me, God, to to know something about this thing called prayer because I'm missing out on a lot of powerful, powerful things by not knowing and not really implementing and not really faithfully practicing prayer. Amen. If we could motivate all of us around here to pray and to pray effectively, I'm going to tell you, it can move some things. Some boundaries in the spirit world would be reestablished. It could push back some things. It could move some some things in the spirit realm. I believe that with all of my heart. When people pray, when people know how to get a hold of God, there's great things that happen as a result of it. I wonder right now if you'd come and make a commitment here tonight. God, I want you to help me personally before we leave. I want you to help me personally in in prayer. I want to be a better prayer warrior. I want to be a better person of prayer. I want to be a person that is familiar with 
with prayer and know how knows how to effectively pray and get a hold of God and seek you. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voice to him with me right now. Let's pray.